Welcome to this abbreviated worship service provided by St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. I'm Pastor Mike Hanel. In today's service, you will hear Pastor Copen, our senior pastor, bring you readings from God's Word and a sermon. Then I'll be back to pray the Lord's Prayer and give a benediction. But before that, a few quick announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. Although we do have in-person worship services at St. Paul's, we realize not everyone is comfortable returning at this time, and that's okay. If you don't feel comfortable returning or have health reasons that would keep you away, please use some of the alternative ways of being part of worship, such as going to our worship page on our website, this WKAN broadcast, our Facebook stream, audio CDs of our sermons, or our podcast. We also urge you to keep up to date with us through our website, stpaulslutheran.net, and click the COVID-19 response link at the top of the page. Otherwise, you are welcome to call the church office to find out the latest information. You can access our online worship services anytime on our website. To see those online worship services, go to our webpage, stpaulslutheran.net, and click Worship on the menu. And keep up with us on our Facebook page for more information of any changes that may become necessary. We pray that you are blessed by the Lord's words this day. Our readings today really are focused on the light and light versus darkness, which is a big theme in the season of Advent. The Old Testament reading from Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for all those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. For I, the Lord, love justice, hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people of the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seed to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5. Paul writes, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. And do not read uh, prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. 
avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Now this was John's testimony. When the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was, he did not fail to confess, but confess freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him then, Who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Finally, they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert, made straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ? nor Elijah, nor the prophet. I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. May God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours this day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for the message comes from our gospel reading. Let's pray. Most gracious God, fill our darkness with your light, your love, your mercy, and your grace. Be with us to bless our worship. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our maker and our redeemer. Amen. In the gospel reading today, we heard this. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that all men, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to all. Every man was coming into the world. Our text. I came across an article uh, in which Auburn Sandstrom, a professor of writing from the University of Akron, tells her story. This is what she wrote. She said, I was curled up in a fetal position on a filthy carpet in a cluttered apartment, horrible withdrawal from a drug addiction. I have in my hand a little piece of paper. It's dilapidated because I've been folding it and unfolding it, but I can still make out the phone number on it. I'm in a sheer state of terror. My husband is out trying to get a hold of some of the drugs that we need. But right behind me, sleeping in the bedroom, it's my baby boy. I wasn't going to get the Mother of the Year award. In fact, at age 29, I was failing at a lot of things. So I decided to get clean. I was soon going to lose the most precious thing I'd ever had in my life, my baby boy. 
was so desperate at that moment. I wanted to make use of that phone number. It was something my mother sent me. She said, this is a Christian counselor. Maybe sometime you could call this person. It was two in the morning. I punched in the numbers, heard a man say hello, and I said, hi, I got this number from my mother. Uh, do you think maybe you could talk to me? And he said, yes, yes, of course. What's going on? She writes, she said, I, I told him I was scared that my marriage had gotten pretty bad, and before long I was telling other truths that I might have a drug problem, that, and this man just sat with me and listened and had such kindness and gentleness, saying, tell me more, or oh, that must hurt very much. Stayed up with me the whole night just before, and then the sun came up. By then I was feeling calm. The raw panic had passed away, and I was feeling okay. I was very grateful to him, and so I said, I really appreciate you and what you've done for me tonight. How long have you been a Christian counselor? There was a long pause on the line, and he said, Auburn, don't hang up. I was just so afraid to tell you. You've got the wrong number. I'm not a therapist, but I've really enjoyed talking to you. And she continued saying, I didn't hang up on him, but I never got his name, and I never spoke to him again. But the next day, she said, it felt like I was shining. I discovered that there was this random love in the universe that could be unconditional and, and that some of it was for me. It also became possible as a teetotaling single parent to raise that precious baby boy into a young scholar and athlete who graduated from Princeton in 2013 with honors. And she concluded, <clears throat> In the deepest, darkest night of despair, if you can just get one pinhole of light, all the grace rushes in. Darkness. Darkness has the ability to change our behavior, doesn't it? There are a lot of examples, but one of the more interesting ones was conducted at a university where there were 80 students and half of them were given sunglasses and the other half were given glasses with clear lenses and they were put into a room and communicated by computer. Uh, the task was to share a certain amount of money. And I don't want to go through the whole process, but it was discovered that the people wearing sunglasses in the room were less honest. <laughs> and it was discovered as they talked with them that the relative darkness the sunglasses gave triggered this sense of anonymity and influenced their honesty. Similar thing happened when they were given a task that required honesty and, and they were put into a dimly lit room. It was found that there was a 37% drop in honesty compared to when they, were, when, when they did those things in a brightly lit room. Darkness. Darkness can have a powerful effect on us sometimes, can't it? I mean, you know what it's like maybe to find yourself walking down a, a dark and familiar street. If there are passers-by, you you're weary of, wary of them. The dark shadows are best avoided. And what a relief it is when you're in well-lit, familiar surroundings. But darkness in people's lives can differ from one person to the next. Darkness is that thing that takes away freedom and joy peace of mind, and so many other things. For some, that darkness might be uh, uh, poverty, hunger, or homelessness. 
Darkness might be the questions or the doubts, anger and despair at a, a sudden and unexplainable death or diagnosis that comes out of the blue. Maybe to a, a child in a war-torn country across the ocean, darkness is those armed men plundering, killing, and raping. Uh, children afraid that they're going to be abused or forced to join the ranks of child soldiers or be killed. For another person, uh, darkness is struggling with an illness, you know, those aches and pains of old age. Maybe it's losing the struggle of failing abilities or entering a nursing home. For some, darkness is a day looking toward that day when they lose that loved one through death. To some, darkness is looking maybe into the face of death itself. And all they see is hopelessness. They see an end but nothing to look forward to beyond that last breath. You know, all of us have our own personal darkness. Uh, maybe it's a short fuse. You get annoyed with certain people, or maybe it's our fixation on new things, or maybe it's some kind of addiction or impatience or selfishness, or maybe even perfection. But you know, Satan, the Prince of Darkness, <laughs> loves to fill our lives with darkness. But isn't it good every now and then to stop and think about how the darkness of sin really comes forth in our lives or is manifest in our lives? In what ways do our words, our, our actions, arise from this darkness, right? Even though we know what God wants us to do, we keep on doing the dark things anyway. Is it possible that we can be in the dark and not even realize it? I mean, maybe it's happened to you as like those occasions, maybe you're reading in the late afternoon and you're so intent on what you're reading that it's not till someone sticks their head in the room and, and says, do you want me to turn on the light? That you realize the lights disappeared and you're in a dark room and you didn't even know it. What a difference it is when the lights turned on. And so here in the midst of this Advent season, we have John the baptizer sticking his head into the room of our darkened lives and saying, hey, you want me to turn on the light? John bluntly calls out, repent, turn away from, from your sin. He points out that he really isn't the light. The light's one coming after him. John says, I'm a messenger sent by God. I've come to tell you about the light, the real light. The light that comes into the world is going to shine on all people. To those who like darkness, they're not really going to appreciate that light because the light exposes what is hidden in the hearts of all people. This light will reveal everything, including the darkness in our own hearts. That's why we need to hear John's call again and again. Turn away from your sin. Get ready. The kingdom of the Lord is coming and is coming soon. You know, the light John is referring to not only exposes what is hidden in the darkness, but it's also a comforting light. And we find out that the source of this light is Christ himself. He is love. He brings hope and peace and joy. He is the one to whom John pointed, the promised Messiah, the one who's going to bring that healing and love. Uh, a man once told what it was like to live in the North Pole without seeing uh, the sun for three months out of the year. And he said, I ached and I hungered to see the dawn. And then one morning, one morning in February, he writes, he said he climbed to the top of a windswept ridge and sat quietly facing the east, 
the sky was this gray sheet and then it then it became pale blue and then it got deeper and then there was this rush of colors that came as the sun rose the darkness had ended and the light had come the light not only changed the world around him the light changed the the world in him in the same way jesus the light changes us he changes our lives guides our footsteps fills us with the warmth of Christ's love. In the chapter of four, our Old Testament reading tonight, the prophet Isaiah talked about the dawn of God, God's light in the world and its effects, saying, uh, Arise, Jerusalem, shine like the sun. The glory of the Lord is shining on you. Other nations are going to be covered in darkness, but on you the light of the Lord will shine. Your days of grief will come to an end. I, the Lord, will be your eternal light. And we know that a little later in the Gospel of John, Jesus says about himself in John 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will have the light of life and will never walk in darkness. You know, the prophecies of the Old Testament have been fulfilled. What an impact Jesus the light has had on the darkness in our lives and in the world. As we prepare for this Christmas season, light plays a significant part. You know, I talked about at the beginning of the service how how the Advent wreath gets that one extra light each week as we go and gets brighter and brighter. And you drive down darkened streets in your neighborhood. Now you see houses decorated with lights. What is normally just an ordinary house uh, that no one really takes notice of suddenly gets our attention because of the addition of hundreds of tiny little light bulbs. Many people have decorated trees in their homes. An important feature is what? It's the lights, isn't it? The lights, the lights and the tinsel and the, and the Christmas ornaments that, that reflect that light change a ordinary looking tree into something truly magnificent. But you know, all of these lights that I talked about are there to remind you and me of the real light, the genuine light, Jesus Christ, the one who changes everything. Because he is hope. He is encouragement. He is light to every person who has need of of superhuman strength to see through the darkness of trouble and sickness. He is the light who guides us through life's journey when we have more questions than we have answers. He is the light that that chases away the darkness of sin and guilt with his forgiveness. He's the light that chases away the darkness of fear as we take our last breath. He is the light of life, eternal life. So in, in whatever way darkness shows itself in our lives, Jesus Christ has come to be that light for us. So where there is darkness in our family, in our friendships, in our community. Jesus Christ has come to shed light on all those areas to restore peace and harmony and joy. Where there is darkness in our nation or in the world at large, which is the case these days, isn't it? Jesus Christ has commanded you and me to let our light so shine before all people to use whatever means we have at our disposal to relieve the suffering of others and drive out the darkness that shrouds the lives of so many.
the story is told of a time very much like our own in 2020, where there was an epidemic and it swept through the country and gatherings were places uh, and, and were ordered closed and people were encouraged not to visit uh, in order to stem the spread of the disease. And the story, as the story goes, it frustrated the members of the church uh, because they knew that this was the time people needed hope and consolation. And it was a small town. And so they had, this church had magnificent stained glass windows like we have uh, here at the church and, and they can be seen across town. And so the, the members devised a plan. They got as many lights as they could uh, and they placed them inside that church with that light shining into the glass, into the outside world. There for all to see were those timeless portrayals of Jesus, right? Jesus, the baby in the manger, who is the hope of all mankind. Jesus, the good shepherd carrying, carrying a lamb. Jesus praying in agony in Gethsemane. Jesus enduring the pain of death on the cross. Jesus risen from the dead and giving us eternal life. Jesus is the king and ruler of all things in the universe. These silent sermons of light and glass spoke to many people loudly through the darkness. The light in the windows reminded them that the real light, the light that comes into the world, shines on all people to use John's word. The year was 1527. It really was a tough time and one of the most trying times for Martin Luther. On April 27th that, or 22nd that year, he, he had a dizzy spell. It forced him to stop preaching in the middle of his sermon. For about 10 years, he had been buffeted these political and theological storms, and, and there were times where his life was in danger, and now he's battling the other reformers <laughs> over the meaning of the Lord's Supper. And, and, and to Luther, the, their errors were, were just as great as those of Rome. Uh, the very gospel was at stake, and, and so he was deeply disturbed and angry, suffering severe depression. On July 6th that year, as his friends arrived for dinner, he had this intense buzzing in his left ear and he went to lie down and, and he cried out saying, give me water or I'll die. Uh, and he got cold and he was convinced that this was his last night and, and in a prayer surrendered himself to God. With a doctor's help, Luther regained his strength. But this depression and, and illness overcame him again and again in, in August and in September and, and late December. And, and looking back over uh, these bouts, he wrote his friend, uh, Philip Melanchthon, and said, I spent more than a week in death and hell. My entire body was in pain and I was trembling, feeling completely abandoned by Christ. I labored under the vacillations and storms of desperation and blasphemy against God, but, but through the prayers of my friends, God began to have mercy on me and pulled my soul from the inferno below. In August, a plague erupted in Wittenberg. Fear spread, and so many of the townspeople uh, were fearful, and Luther considered it his duty to stay uh, and care for the sick. Even though his wife was pregnant, his house was transformed into a hospital. He watched a lot of his friends die. And then his son became ill. And it wasn't until late November that, that the epidemic uh, lessened and, and the ill began to recover. 
And it was during that year he was reflecting on all the different things that had been going on and maybe noting the deeper meaning of his trials. He said, the only comfort against raging Satan is that we have God's word to save the souls of believers. And it was sometime that year where he maybe expanded that thought into a hymn that he is famous for, Mighty Fortress. And a third verse translated by Frederick Hedge in 1853 uh, comes, uh, it's a little different from the ones we have in our hymnal, but this was interesting. He said, and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure. For lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. Darkness is overcome. Darkness is conquered by the light, Jesus Christ. And when you look at that child in the manger Christmas, look at the one. The one who will meet you at your point of darkness. Whatever that darkness is for you. Because his love, it never changes. In his light, you and I, we find the strength to carry on. In his light, darkness is replaced with, with hope and love and joy and peace. So go forth this day wrapped up in that light and the love of Jesus. Amen. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thanks again for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. You can continue to hear our online worship services on our website. Just go to stpaulslutheran.net and click Worship on the menu. God's blessings to you this day.